With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Stock Rose podcast. My name is Tony. Thanks for joining in. So today we're going to talk about how to research a company before you buy stock in it. Now, this is something we hear a lot, like do your own research, do your due diligence, research, research, research. Well, how do you do that? Well, today I'm going to talk about five metrics that I use to research a company to check their financial health. This will be part one, probably going to do a second part with another five, which will be released next week. So when you're buying a stock, you're buying a small percentage of a company. If you're going to spend money to buy a company, don't you want to know the financial health of that company? Well, today I'm going to talk about five simple metrics to quickly help analyze a company's financial health. Now, these metrics can be found. You can do a Google search. You can uh, check the balance sheets of a company. And another really crucial tool that a lot of people don't utilize is the quarterly financial earning reports. A lot of information is on these reports. Now, companies that are on the stock exchange every three months put out their earnings. It's, it's really important to look at these if you have money invested into these companies. So let's get into the five metrics that I recommend. Now, the number one goal of a company is to make money, right? Well, that requires cash. <laughs> no cash coming in, you have no money. So a metric that you should all be looking at is something called free cash flow. F-C-F, free cash flow. Now, what's free cash flow? Free cash flow tells you how much, how much cash a company has left over after it pays all of its operating expenses and maintains its capital expenditures. So let me put this in a simpler form. Free cash flow is how much money it has left over after paying its cost to run the business. Free cash flow is how much money a company has left over after paying its business operational costs. So you want to see a positive cash flow and you want to see a cash flow that's growing every quarter. So some of the benefits of a positive cash flow. The more cash flow you have in a company, the more, the more money that they can reinvest back into the company. So they can upgrade their equipment, they can restock inventory, they can uh, pay out dividends to shareholders. This also means that they'll have more money for acquiring other companies and other types of acquisitions that they may want to do. So more cash, more free cash flow equals more potential growth, right? So a negative to free cash flow or a negative free cash flow isn't always a bad thing. A company could be taking out loans to invest into real estate or other investments that may help grow the company long term. 
But in general, it's never a good thing to have a negative cash flow after paying your expenses, in my opinion. So here's a, here's a good way for me to break down free cash flow as simple as possible. Say you're paying $2,000 a month for your living expenses. Let's say your living expenses is your business, your house, right? Your electricity, heat, whatever. It costs $2,000 a month. You make $1,000 per month in revenue. While your free cash flow would be negative $1,000 a month. So does that make, does that seem like it would be wise to invest into somebody or a company that has a negative cash flow after paying their operating expenses? Probably not, right? Now, this usually means if a company has a negative cash flow, that you're going to need to take out loans. They're going to need to take out loans to help them pay some of their expenses. And they're going to need more investors to jump in onto the company. So that means that also means acquiring more debt, right? So that leads me to my next metric. Metric number two, the debt ratio. The debt ratio is the current assets minus the current liabilities. So are the current assets greater than the liabilities? If the answer is yes, this is a great thing. Now, current assets include, what are current assets, what are current liabilities? Current assets include company savings, investments, inventory, net receivables, and other, uh, I don't know, other things along those lines. I can't list all of them, but those are some of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe some type of uh, real estate or something could be seen as an asset as well. Current liabilities will be company debts, money borrowed, high interest loans, all bad stuff, right? So to get a debt ratio, what you would have is your current liabilities divided by your current assets. So if you divide that number, a good rule of thumb is that should be 0.5 or 50% is considered very safe. Now, if it's, if it's 1.0, that would be a one-to-one -one debt to income or debt to, um, sorry, it would be a one-to-one -one current assets but to liabilities ratio. So that's not a great thing, but it's not horrible. It's still considered safe. And then anything over two is considered bad or risky, I should say. Now, what that means is you'd have double the amount of liabilities as you do assets if it's two, right? And if it's one-to-one, -one, they're the same. And if it's 0.5 or less, that means you have a lot more assets than you do liabilities. You have double the assets of your liabilities. So for instance, a company like Apple has over $300 billion in total assets and roughly $120 billion in total liabilities. So that's a debt ratio of around 0.4. So that's an excellent debt ratio. It's They could actually pay off all of their long-term debts for the next 10 years and still have almost $200 billion. So regardless, that's a great company to buy into based on their free cash flow and their debt debt ratio, debt to income or current uh, liabilities to asset ratio, debt ratio. That's how you get a debt ratio. So you got your free cash flow, you got your debt ratio, the next one I want to talk about is the P-E ratio. This is metric number three. This is the price to earnings 
ratio. So this is the share price divided by the earnings per share. Okay, so simply put, a high P.E. ratio could mean that uh, a company is overvalued or investors see high, high growth potential from this company. A low P.E. ratio could be a sign that a company is significantly undervalued or investors may see little to no growth potential. So a good rule of thumb from everything I've been seeing is you want to have a P.E. ratio of 20 or less or between 10 to 30 is also considered good. The problem with that is P.E. ratios vary by sector sometimes, so you can't always use this to see if a company is valuable. Now, uh, it's best to compare P.E. ratios of companies in the same sectors. So you may want to look at a tech company P.E. ratio and compare it to all the other top tech company P.E. ratios that are their peers or competitors. That's a good way to, to uh, analyze a P.E. ratio. Now, Another uh, a thing that I would talk about with P.E. ratio is if, if uh, you take Tesla, for instance. Tesla has a P.E. ratio of like 1,200. So this either means Tesla is significantly overvalued or investors see huge growth potential from Tesla. So it's up to you to decide which one you believe. But uh, another simple way to explain... Um, the P.E. ratio is if you have a P.E. ratio of 10, that would mean that the current market value of the company is equal to 10 times the company's annual earnings. So if you bought every share of company A and their P.E. ratio was 10, if you bought 100% of the shares, that would mean that it would take you 10 years to earn back your initial investment of buying every share possible. So... Uh, it's, it's usually, if you see something like a 1200 PE ratio, it would take you 1200 years to earn back your initial investment if you bought every share available of Tesla. So that's kind of how you can tell what a PE ratio is. That's the easiest way I can explain it. Now, is a PE ratio a great uh, end-all, be-all metric to use? Of course not. It's just a tool in your tool belt. It's just another one of these metrics to where you can look at a company and be like, all right, this one checks out too. So those are, those are three. You got free cash flow, debt ratio, PE ratio. So let's talk about one that I personally like a lot is earnings per share. Earnings per share. This is really easy to explain, right? So EPS, you see this a lot. This is what the, is on a lot of the quarterly earning reports. And if they, if a company beats it, you know, you'll always see expected EPS and it'll say they outperform or they underperform. And that will affect the, the company's stock price uh, momentarily usually, but it fluctuates it momentarily up or down depending on the, if it's good news or bad news. Well, EPS is a company's profits divided by the outstanding share of its stock. Now, EPS indicates how much a company makes for each share sold of its stock, okay? So an example of this would be uh, if you made $10,000 in profits, right, and you had 1,000 shares, your EPS would be 10. That means you have every share that you own produces $10 of income. So that's excellent. That's a really good EPS. 
you don't really want to see companies that have negative earnings per share. And you also don't want to see companies on the decline from their EPS. If, if every quarter the EPS is going down, this is not a good thing. You want to see growth. You want to see the EPS going up over time and year over year. You know, some, It can't go up all the time. Sometimes it may be stagnant for a little bit, but you want to see growth potential. And EPS is a good way to analyze growth potential. If the company is losing money per share, that's never a good thing, right? I mean, that's common sense. So a positive EPS means, right, that that corporations or investors will value, they'll use this to estimate the corporate's value. So if you see that a high EPS, you'll, or if you see a high EPS, it'll mean greater value because investors will pay more for a company's share price. If they think the company has higher profits relative to its share price, they're going to be more willing to buy more shares of these companies. So it's definitely something you should use to analyze a company. It's really easy to find. It's on every single brokerage app there is out there. It's on the quarterly reports, balance sheets. You can even do a simple Google search, Apple EPS for last four quarters, and it'll come up. So another one that I like to use, and this is one that I like to use for ETFs. So um, this one is called volume. And you could see this on every single brokerage app every day when the market's open. So volume is just how many stock shares are being traded on the market at that day. So a high volume indicates a high level of support and interest in the stock. A low volume can be concerning because investors may think the stock is overpriced. The other really concerning thing about a low volume is it may be a lot harder to get rid of these shares. So I use this a lot for ETFs. If you see an ETF that has like 10,000 shares per day being traded or even 50,000, I'm kind of cautious and I don't know if I'd want to buy that because if I want to get out of those shares quickly, it may be very hard to sell because there's not that many shares trading, not many people are buying it. So you could, uh, if, if for some reason your, your ETF is tanking and you want to get rid of it, which depending on what the ETF, let's say it's um, a random pot ETF or something that I wouldn't feel super great about owning and it's tanking. And if I want to get rid of it, it may be really hard to get rid of it if there's only 10,000 shares in volume trading through the day. Um, it could take an entire day to get rid of. Who knows? It could take hours. You don't really know. As, a pair as compared to uh, if there's 100,000 shares of a company trading, it's going to be really easy to get out of. So generally, securities with more daily volume are more liquid than those without, you know, without a, a large volume. And since they're more active, it'd be more important if you're trying to get out of it quickly. So that's the bottom line to volume. Now, another example I give you, if company A has a daily volume of 10,000 and company B has a daily volume of 100,000, it will be 10 times easier, right, for company B to be able to fill a market order for that day than it would for company A because it has 10 times as, much, as many shares trading through the day. So my suggestion with volume, though there's, I, I don't really see a, a fixed number on this, but my suggestion would be to stick to, especially ETFs um, that have in the six figures for volume, like 100,000 and up, 
And a lot of the really great ones will have in the millions. So this isn't really something you have to be too concerned about if you're buying something like VOO or QQQ or something along those lines. Now, if you're going to buy some obscure penny stock, this would be something you're going to want to see. If this stock is uh, is trading at, sorry, if this stock is trading at, uh, you know, 10,000 per volume, that's pretty horrible. And if you want to make a quick trade on this penny stock, it could be very difficult to get out of it. So for those of you that are traders out there, that's probably one of the very few <laughs> tips I'll give for traders is check to see the volume of these companies before you're putting too much money into them. So I think that's it for today. Those are my five metrics for today. Um, I'll be doing a part two with another five. Please use my referral links for Acorns. I know I talk about Acorns all the time. I love Acorns. You get $5 invested. And also use uh, my referral link for public. If you don't have access to fractional shares, this is a great solution. And also Coinbase. I have a link in there too as well for buying Bitcoin. But uh, thanks for joining in and um, until next time.